I am one voice that stands alone. I am one choice to man the throne. Stand good and take shots. Give it all I got. All I got is this microphone. All right. Welcome, everybody. Uh, we're back on Facebook Live doing our Pulp Revelators podcast from home. Um, looks like our country's starting to open up a little bit again, but we are still here at home doing this. And we may even make it a habit because it's really fun to join you live and, and uh, you get to see us as we, we have fun together. So today uh, on Pulp Revelators, we are going to be talking about the Ultimates universe. We're going to be talking about Marvel. And um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But I'm hopeful that Gary, who's here right now, it says Dio is the Liger King. That's his current name. Uh, he's going to talk a little bit about what the Marvel Ultimates universe is all about. So, Gary, I hand it off to you. I don't know. No, I, I don't. don't it, uh, so there was a point in time where Marvel was trying to kind of bridge that gap where they were trying to get newer readers like around let's say Dustin's age and um and because you know their Spider-Man was older um I think technically at the time he was married uh Superman was married so there were a bunch of uh characters that essentially um that are older so younger readers were kind of trailing off and they weren't bringing in that many new readers so they originally went to they figured what character will we start off with? And they started off with Spider-Man and they got Brian Michael Bendis. This was like his first really big Marvel gig. And he began writing ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, and at the time they had planned ultimate Spider-Man and ultimate X-Men were the two kickoff books and Spider-Man just exploded. Um, ultimate X-Men followed along suit with Mark Millar writing it. Um, didn't really pick up as much steam as Spider-Man did. So they went ahead and pulled in an ultimate team up book, which if any of you older guys remember and Dustin may from reading like uh, old trades, but Spider-Man team up was a really big book because it would always take Spider-Man and another character throughout the Marvel universe. And this was before all the crossovers. So they did that and they introduced some other characters like um, the ultimate version of Iron Man was introduced. Um, and then finally, instead of the Avengers, they wanted to do the Ultimates. And that's where Mark Millar picked up and wrote the book that we'll be focusing on tonight. And it was the first book um, in which they kind of presented in this widescreen cinematic scale format. Um, in fact, I think that's what Brian Hitch called it originally when they were releasing it, that it was gonna be drawn in this like widescreen uh, format so that that's the ultimate universe in a nutshell and you can really see kind of how it influenced and we'll talk about its influences a lot more but you can see how it influenced like other companies later because if you look at when dc tried to new, do the new 52 it looked a lot like the ultimate universe it was like ultimate superman and um you know then they then they try with the all-star you remember that little like they did all-star superman yeah and that worked out pretty well but then all-star batman and robin with frank miller and jim lee was like yeah was that i thought that was the wasn't that supposed to be kind of the counteract to 
yeah that was like that was kind of like their first experiment into it and then um someone had the big idea to well instead of creating it in its own universe let's kind of do and they never came out and said they were doing this but you can tell that they were technically doing this they were like well let's do an ultimate dc but it'll be just the dc universe we'll just reset it where did metal come in metal yeah where did that come in metal is kind of like um later after they kind of fixed everything that got messed up with uh the new 52 and tried to fix it and rebirth and they're still fixing it and it looks like the big fix is going to be this sequel to metal will finally Mm. be the thing that kind of reconstitutes the dc universe well a little bit with with the ultimate universe you know gary it seems like the marvel wanted to try a what if kind of scenario without messing with the 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 proper universe that you know don't we don't want to mess these heroes up but we want to do something different so let's create a different universe right and then you know later on they can kind of connect or you know go back and forth but um you know it's kind of a a what if universe and for the ultimates um one of the the cool things is if you talk to any of the people who who were behind the mcu movies um the ultimates is what they all point to you know it's it's they a grittier version and it's it's you know the in the regular marvel universe superheroes and mutants and everything are just kind of you know part of the 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 tapestry in the ultimate universe that's not the thing you know like this is a weird scenario and how does it you know how does it interact in real life and what do you do and um and and anybody that's read it will realize pretty quickly that these superheroes don't play by the same rules as the Marvel guys. I mean, that's not at all. You know, Jeff, I think when you started reading, you were like, um, guys, (laughs) (laughs) right, right. It it had to have a little warning on it, you know, Um, which we would also pass along to the fans that just uh, bear in mind, this is for a little bit older audience, I believe. Um, I I think you guys would share my, my opinion of that, that uh, it's, uh, it's a little rougher around the edges. It's a um, a little darker, but um, oh, it's for it, a much older audience. Um, if it, if you like, if your kid's watching Spider Man and his Amazing Friends at this point and asking <laughs> things he doesn't understand, do not let him read the Ultimates. <laughs> yeah, I think if, what I, what I what got me into the Ultimate Universe uh, was if it wasn't just the different but similar takes on the heroes. Um, It was just the idea of this fresh start. You know, for a lot of readers to have to jump in uh, 600 issues or, well, at that point, 450 issues into Spider-Man, you know, it's just one of, it's overwhelming to some extent. Especially, I remember jumping into Amazing Spider-Man, and if you had a good Amazing Spider-Man writer, he was always kind of hinting, like pointing back to previous issues from like 10, 15 years ago. Like, oh, remember when this happened, ASM number 266. And, you know, of course, the, the, the people who have been reading Spider-Man for that long are like, ah, yes. But I think the other thing that was drastically different, and Gary, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, oh. was that this switched the Ultimate Universe was all about story arcs. 
you know, you look back mm -hmm. at kind of decades past and you've got a complete story in one issue. You don't get that in the ultimate universe. There's story arcs and each issue leads up to the final. Is you, would you agree with me on that? Yeah, that's where it kind of, um, I mean, story arcs were always a thing, but that's where it almost kind of became the standard like we see today. Um, even like when you had new writer and artist teams, um, you know, prior to this, you'd have the same writer on the same book for a really good long time. Like look at Chris Claremont, Marv Wolfman on Teen Titans. Now you have like teams that just do arcs. They have their planned story arc and then it's like, oh, and I'm done. So the ultimate universe is where you really started seeing that. And um, to go back to what Mike said, um, yeah, this was kind of like their experiment because this the, the original edict that came out, and this was at the time I think Bill Bill Jemis was in charge of Marvel, and um, Joe Casada was the editor in chief with them, and the uh, primary rule is that they would not interact. The traditional Marvel universe and the Ultimate universe would not interact. They were two separate things. And yet the Ultimate universe touched on our current universe as well. You had the same president. You had the same things going on in the story arcs, um, which I thought was kind of cool as well. It, it really, uh, they, for the most part, were modern day superheroes with the same kind of issues we deal with and I, as we go into the storyline some we, we see how flawed these characters are and all the different things that they were dealing with it's um it's pretty crazy um but i'll let somebody else well one of the things you know Malar in this you he, he deconstructs the idea of a, of a hero or a superhero he gives them you know warts and scars and uh issues to deal with um and but it doesn't doesn't change the fact that they've saved the world or they've you know they've uh done great things and it's the it and similar to when the avengers come together in the movies um these guys don't know each other don't particularly like each other um it's it's just this kind of awkwardness that maybe it won't work at all and maybe it'll work great and and so i I feel like as you read through it, you kind of, every page, you kind of get that sense. Like, you know, you can't get your balance. You're like, what is going on here? You know? Um, and, and, and I think the, the changing, if, if you, if you read Marvel for a while prior to the ultimates, um, you know, Nick Fury looks one way, you know, and all of a sudden you've got, you know, a character who was who they have actually said was based on Samuel L. Jackson. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about that too is Samuel L. Jackson found out about it and then was buying original artwork and absolutely loved the idea and loved being Nick Fury. And uh, and so they just put that right into the storyline for and he's the perfect Nick Fury for the movie. So yeah, and they broke they broke the fourth wall there, and he actually said, you know, when they make a movie about this, you know, Samuel Jackson's going to play me. You know. Yeah, that was an interesting scene where they did the whole casting, um, and it didn't turn out the way they planned it in the book. Although I think for the way that um, Bruce Banner was characterized in the entire run by Millar, I think Steve Buscemi was a perfect casting. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that. I honestly got to the point where that movie referenced like the the modern day, real world who would play who casting thing. 
I felt like it, just, it went on for a while, and there's there's different references throughout that particular issue. Like, what are they going for here? But it's it was cool. I, I think that one of the things that um, I read one, two, and three is is all I got through of that. And fair warning to all of our listeners and watchers, or anyone who's going to pay attention to what we're saying. The, uh, the thing about the Ultimates is I highly suggest if you're looking for the story, like you want to do the story, either get the, the Omnibus, the, the book that has everything, or go on the internet and find a chronological order because there are serious gaps and serious developments between the actual Ultimate Avengers um, runs um, that are filled in by other storylines. So if you want to know how certain people died, because I'll tell you right now, one is cool, and then two jumps off with the death of a superhero. But wait a minute, how did how did that just happen? And it's, it's somewhere else. The problem right? with that is because of how much time it took. Like when they originally planned it, it was supposed to be the Ultimates, the first series, um, all the way through. Oh, I think twelve it was in the first original run, and then they wanted to jump 13. immediately into Ultimates too. And um, back then, Brian Hitch because he puts so much detail into his art. Like, if you look at some of the backgrounds and some of the art that he drew, like, really take some of the two-page spreads and blow them up. Um, he, uh, he was late. Like every, every, like, every book, he was late. And then it would get more and more extended. And so the books got really off schedule. So they started, like, stories they were holding off, they would... Uh, like kind of roll into like I, I actually think between issue six and seven the ultimates and this may be inaccurate but i know that it was something similar i think warren ellis did a whole entire almost trilogy of limited series that the ultimates start in between the first 12 issues of the original series getting finished and um so you missed a lot of that and then there was a limited series where the ultimates fought the x-men and you kind of missed that in the main series. So, yeah, there was a lot of kind of one-offs, and it was very confusing to follow and go back. Um, so, yeah, like like Mike and I said, this was like their experiment. And the one constant through it all on the, was the flagship title, Ultimate Spider-Man. It didn't veer off course. It didn't change in tone all the way up until a few years ago when Secret War may or may not have destroyed the ultimate universe mm-hmm. um, they um it, ultimate spider-man was still kind of on course and where miles morales had been introduced as ultimate spider-man but it, the story never broke the storyline there was a few restarts but it never broke ultimates not so much there was a lot of disconnect with ultimates and all the basically all the ultimate all their ultimate books I got to say, though, if you were a fan of the, you know, the Avengers movies, there is a great, uh, you know, and you feel like, okay, I know what happens here. So you start the Ultimates. It's, it, the MCU takes from the, you know, the 616, the main universe, and then they take from the Ultimates and they just kind of weave them together because things don't happen at all like they do in the movies. Like, you know, you start off um, and you've got, Captain America and Bucky Barnes and um, you know and it's awesome and and you know Captain America gets ends up getting blown up by an atomic bomb nuclear bomb 
so great. I mean, you know, you're, you're always going to be off guard. You're always going to be trying to figure out and, and the storylines are just brilliant. You know, it, it's, it's cool stuff. Definitely darker than the MCU. Uh, the mm-hmm. MCU is, they, they, they take a lot of the realism, but twist i mean as realistic as you can have the god of thunder standing next to you but they take a lot of realism and they twist it into a more hopeful story um you know the ultimates and the ultimate universe in general again outside of the ultimate spider-man book became a much more cynical place like if you look at all the different stories they became they were it, it was much more cynical and if you look at um miller's characteristics of captain america and all of them it, it was a darker tone and he really brought out the negative portions of their character as well um because i mean let's face it tony stark in the ultimates book he's not really likable cap is more of that old clint eastwood unbending type he doesn't see anything modern in shades of gray it's all black and white but by that that uh old that generation's version of black and white you know it's uh you know this is the right way this is the wrong way and there's no room for anything else and you know he handles a lot of things two-fisted and there's some cool scenes because of that i'll let you guys join in on this one but the way the hulk's characterized in the Mm. old wow (laughs) yeah um i love the way he eats people and then boots them out. That's my yeah. favorite part. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I felt like they assassinated some characters that, that I have become endeared towards. You know, like Bruce Banner is ridiculously putsy. I mean, just just weak and feeble minded yeah. really. I <laughs> just he has no desire. His he's enamored with Betty and trying to figure out that relationship. Betty, by the way, comes off as someone who I wouldn't want to know in any lifetime. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Ridiculously nasty and mean, and she chews people up and she spits them out. And Hank Pym, oh my goodness. Wow, yeah. That, that yeah. character is, is belongs in a prison or, a, or an insane asylum, because that, the way they wrote him is ridiculous. Now they're other characters like Thor's character, I liked it. It's almost like the Thor they gave us an Endgame without the belly, you know. Um, more, I- more idealistic though, you know. Certainly willing to uh, take on some of the things going on in today's world and make them relevant and a priority in, in what he thought we should be focusing on. But uh, well, there was a I liked his the- character. Go ahead. In the in the Thor movie, the first Thor movie. You know, he comes to, to Earth with no powers to speak of, and he just seems like a nutball, you know? And so, and that's kind of the question that, that, that goes back and forth in the Ultimates. Is yeah. Thor, you know, Swedish, you know, guy, you know, male nurse who's insane, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe is powered by some future tech, or is he the Norse Thunder God, you know? And so, and you're kind of, you know, doing a take back and forth to figure it out. And it's it's. I like too know. that. I like that he felt no desire to answer that for anybody. Right, right. He just when it was needed, he let his actions speak for themselves. 
but he felt no need to really kind of have himself to hold himself accountable to what other people wanted him to do. And if you take some of the characters at base, you know, if you, if you think back to the uh, Bill Bixby, Lou Ferrigno, Hulk series that, you know, um, that, that some of us grew up with before Dustin was born, um, you know, you had Banner was this weak, weeby guy, and that's why he creates the Hulk, so he can be tougher. And, you know, and so you have this, that the core of that character is there, but he's just weaselly. And then the Hulk is much more of a monster than a quiet Lou Ferrigno. I mean, this guy, he just tears buildings down, you know, has, you know, all kinds of just, you know, out of control desires. And you're like, oh, but if you think about, you know, what the Hulk is supposed to be, it's kind of true to form of just this out of control brute. So there's a brilliance, but I agree with you, Tim. Hank Pym is the one who's like, you're just like, oh, ugh. yeah. But wasn't, I mean, wasn't Hank Pym abusing his wife in the 616? Once. 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 Um, okay. And wasn't Tony kind of a skis? See, here's my, I love the Ultimates. I and I think the only reason it seems dark is because what they did is they took all the characters' problems that happened throughout the 616 over a span of 30 years and they put it in two issues. Yeah. You know? oh, absolutely. So, yeah, so it wasn't like, oh, Tony's like leading up for the past 30 years to be demon in a right. bottle. Like, no, right off the bat, this guy is, I mean, even in his becoming Iron Man, uh, it's because I'm dying of cancer. Right. I only got a little time left. And it's kind of what we were talking about, Gary, offline about what does it mean to die a good death? And Tony's now having to answer that question. Well, I've lived this kind of life for myself. So I'm going to go out with a bang. My death's going to go out with but a isn't bang. That, isn't that kind of the character arc for Iron Man too? Yeah. I mean, in, in a sense, he's, you know, yeah. he's dying from the, from the, from the radiation radiation that's 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 killing right. from the inside and he's got to come up with a solution for that but at the same time he's just kind of like you know what let's just go out with the bang so i i i get what dustin's saying but i think that in in kind of trying to expose their faults so harshly they gave the character arcs a lot less um leeway for redemption well it's it's because, brutal it's shocking I mean, the yeah. way the way it's delivered, like Dustin said, there's no build up the demon in the bottle. There's no there's no build up to why did Hank Pym become abusive in that moment. And it still was despicable and really controversial to this day in the 616. Um, you know, there's a lot of people, especially with, um, you know, you have it's not quite there, but you have the term um, girlfriend in the refrigerator. I don't know if you guys in comics have ever heard that. And it's the trope where um, they introduce a female character that's sole purpose is to die to give the hero of the story that um, motivation to become the hero. And it's happened a lot in comics. And um, at the time, that's kind of how Janet Pym was in the 616. She was the wasp, she was established, but she was still kind of Pym's wife. and. To further his story, he smacked her. Um, now, definitely in the Ultimates, it goes a little further. Um, oh, yeah. And it's much more brutal. And, you know, Mil 
it, just reading Miller's work in general, when he takes a cynical kind of twist on stuff, it's shocking and brutal. I mean, anything else that you've read by him. And, um, but then when he writes a hopeful scene, it's incredibly hopeful. And like, you know, one, to me, one of the coolest scenes is when Captain America completely drives in, in a tank and hands the Incredible Hulk his butt in hand-to-hand combat. I was just like, okay, I think that's the first time I've seen somebody do like honest hand-to-hand combat between Cap and the Hulk and he beats him. And you're, it's uh, now granted temporarily, but still it's like, that was cool. Um, and just another thing that they kind of um, influenced the movie with, and there was another cool kind of restructuring of the character was Hawkeye and Black Widow, like their mm-hmm. introduction. That was like a scene right out of the Matrix that whole entire and it actually was they've talked about it you know um it there's a there's a great exchange between brian hitch and and mark millar and millar is thinking of the matrix scene when he writes it and tries to tone it down and not you know and then hitch picks it up and just builds it right out of the matrix yeah (laughs) you know and you 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 have to say um you know the best comics are this kind of synergy between the writer and the artist and the colorist and all that, you know, and that happens in this. It's, it's, the scenes are incredible, both in terms of writing and art as well. I mean, it's, you, you can't not enjoy it, you know, even though it startles you. Right. And, um, you know, back like with the, uh, with the introduction of Hawkeye and um, Black Widow, they were two characters that were tied together in the original 616. She was a spy. She duped him to go against Iron Man. He ended up joining S.H.I.E.L.D. for like a mission maybe later. And um, so making them S.H.I.E.L.D. agents was really cool. Um, they knew each other. They had a relationship. She knew his family. Where else have we seen that story? You know, MCU. Just thank- thankfully in the MCU, that relationship didn't go the way it did in Ultimates eventually. Um it was a really good uh it was it was kind of neat and it did it reinvigorated the characters in many ways and other ways it made you look at them differently um back to what who was it oh tim you you hated betty ross i i can't i don't know how far you've gotten into it but i know later on she's given a chance almost a chance at redemption um and later on in the ultimate stories and you know it's like at first you're reading it you're like man this is gonna be heartfelt and then by the end of mm-hmm. it you're like i, I feel dirtier and yeah it was like her whole entire like it, it had nothing to do with like him and his forgiveness it was like because she felt bad she felt bad for herself because she had been so evil and mean. It wasn't like, let me make, make this up to you. It was, oh, I just feel awful. <laughs> it was just like, oh, man. So, and... Yeah, there, was, Gian- there wasn't anything about her that I liked. What's that? Well, I said the Ultimate Universe gets worse after this. Um, the story that they're talking about potentially using for the Ultimate Universe is called, coming up in the next phases, is called Ultimatum. Um, it would be the perfect way to introduce Magneto, but they mm. have to change the story because in the original story, way too many people die and way too many people die horribly. Mm. Dustin's probably read it and he knows. And the whole cannibalism 
like twist with the hawk. You've seen oh, nothing. It gets much worse. <laughs> yeah, it gets so much worse. Yes. Oh, it's yes. just it's it's awful. And people, so many people have complained about it, and it's just it's just <laughs> this brutal story. And you're like, oh, cool. That no, they're they're dead. Oh, cool. Well, he's that, gonna. He, nope, he's dead. And it's just like all the way through the story, you're like, oh, that that's that's who's left, and that's who won the day. Yeah. <laughs> and I was I was a bit uncomfortable with Quicksilver and and Scarlet Witch as well. Their whole relationship and what was implied and then later revealed. Yeah, just, just a wee bit. bit uncomfortable. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> it, I just stopped reading, it, man. It just it went too far. I'm done. I, it it, I it went with the ultimate. It. it went with the ultimate universe. That's for sure. Uh, but there's followed suit. All right. There, there's hey, a, let me, in that first me, part. Yeah, go ahead. Let me defend. Oh, you got this here. Because all I hear is Haterade just spilling out. So let me, de- <laughs> let me defend the Ultimates for a little bit. One, I think what Millard does is he puts the characters in our world. You know, like he puts them in a fallen world and they're fallen as well. And you know what? Sometimes redemption is hard to come by. And when it comes, it's a little spark. But that spark shows up tremendously at the right times. So that's what I like about the Ultimates. It's like, at the end of the day, you don't know where he's taking that story. You don't know who's going to die. Because in the real world, that's just how it is. You know, I, I think the reason I like Millar's writing of the Ultimates a lot is because it reminds me of one of my favorite modern Arthur authors, and that's Cormac McCarthy. You know, if you guys have read The Road or All the Pretty Horses or really <laughs> anything he's ever written, is this kind of dark realism, but there's always the spark of redemption at the end. Somebody must carry the fire to completion, you know? And even within these ultimates, you know, I mean, we have these characters that are deeply flawed. But at the end of the day, when they're called to rise up, they do. They come through. You know? It kind of reminds me, it's a little bit of like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, in a sense, you know? (laughs) Dustin likes cannibalism. (laughs) (laughs) You know, here's my, I do like the Jekyll Hyde. I think that thing is more played out in the Hulk's character which was the original intention of the Hulk character, was this Jekyll Hyde story. That's more developed in the Ultimates than I think, really, in the 616. It's only until recently, in this last Hulk run, do you really start to see kind of that tension played out. And really, what I love about the Hulk in the Ultimates is that they're not two completely different characters. The Hulk is really Bruce Banner unfiltered. You know, yeah, oh, so, yeah, yeah. It's it's not like he's a he's a he's a completely different entity. No, this is you know it's kind of like what I tell people. Like if you get it's like when people are like, oh, like you know, I was drunk, so I didn't really mean that. And I always tell them like, no, no, no. If you're drunk and you do something, the filter's just gone away. It would that was in your heart. You just don't want to admit that that was in your heart. And that's kind of what happens here with the Hulk. Bruce Banner, 
the filter's gone, and what's left mm-hmm. is a monster, you know? Yeah. Well, and I also like Thor. Thor is not... See, my the, the hardest thing with getting into Thor is, like, the whole, like, he came to Earth, he forgot who he was, he was a doctor, but then if he said some magic words, he turned into Thor. <laughs> Whereas, like, the ultimate's like, no, he's just Thor. None of that doctor crap, you know, whoever he is, we're not going to mess with that. Thor is Thor. Thor. Yeah, but he was kind of posing as this kind of environmentalist hippie dude who was kind of had a following going after him. And he wouldn't act upon anything unless, you know, certain demands were met and that the the countries would come together and, and, uh, you know, hug a tree and and save the whales. I mean, it was... But even his cult of hippies knew he was old. They knew he was Thor. Yeah, you know that's why they worshipped him. Mm. There's a scene that the, the the default violence in the Ultimates and Dustin, I agree with everything you just said. I mean, I, uh, that's perfect. Um, you're talking about you're talking about the Hulk. Just made me think of the scene towards the end of the first Ultimates arc, where they've got Banner in the helicopter as the secret weapon, and the soldiers are just beating the crap out of him. Just you know, and they're laughing, and then so their idea is you know. Well, we're just gonna, you know, we're just gonna throw him out of the helicopter. If he turns into the Hulk, he can help us. If he doesn't, then he's not a problem. You know, just it's like, oh man, you know, just rough stuff. Yeah, I mean, and don't get me wrong, I I don't hate the Ultimates at all. I'm just being the devil's advocate and telling the people the difference between sixteen six sixteen. there was a lot of good stuff. Um, like, I, you know, it's the first appearance of the Captain America helmet that we see in the movies, which I thought was like the coolest, like the way he redid the uniforms and costumes mm-hmm. was pretty incredible and more realistic. Like, you know, Cap would not have been running out. There, there's no soldier, no soldier in the world that's like, you know, instead of that Kevlar helmet over there, I'm going to wear some spandex. <laughs> you know what I mean, they're gonna, you know, they fashion it into a helmet. Um, this doesn't stand for France. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's probably the best line ever. Pilar says he hasn't gone to France for a signing. Like he didn't go for a while after that. <laughs> yeah, and Thor's Thor's appearance in the battle with the Hulk is incredible. You know, Hulk's all standing there victorious, and all of a sudden, lightning just comes and picks him up and throws him for miles. Mm-hmm. But um. And he did. He wrote some of those really cool cinematic moments, which I'm going to take an aside because Dustin caused it. Um, but there's a, in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, like one of my favorite moments I talked about when Cap beats the Hulk. One of my favorite moments is in the second League book where it's basically, you know, the Victorian her- heroes versus the Martians from H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. And all the way up until this moment, they're getting their butt handed. And granted, two different writers. This is Alan Moore. But, um, you know, Hyde goes out and just takes down a walker, just completely just like by hand, drops one of the walkers. And they're like, for the first time, the Martians are afraid. And then Hyde commences to rip open the walker and eat a Martian while it's alive. Like it's calamari. And they're like, (laughs) it's like, all you can picture in your head, and it's the hallmark of a good writer because it's the same thing with Millar. All you can picture in your head is that enemy soldier that you've been hating this entire time. The fear that is currently in them right now, because up until this moment, they've been completely victorious. And suddenly this dude just shows up, drops them and eats them. 
Um, same thing with, you know, the Hulk when he appears in um, nothing like eating people. Yeah, and he just tears through and basically is telling you all the horrible stuff he's going to do as he is tearing through the scene. Like when he's trying to catch up to Freddie Prince Jr. getting on the helicopter. Like, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, you don't get to hear it because obviously Miller was probably pushing uh, the rating system enough. But, you know, Betty's like, do you hear the things he's saying he's going to do to me if he catches up with us? And they're like, yeah, let's, let's get on the helicopter and go. And so it's just like, you know, can you just imagine that fear? And a really good writer is when they take somebody that you literally hate and is a character that is like the antagonistic version that you see as you're reading it and then make you feel sympathy for them (laughs) with what's about to happen to them (laughs) if the hero gets a hold of them. And it's just, Uh, you know, I want to say that because of that, um, this this run for me is too intense. It, yeah. it really is. I mean, I, I had to stop reading it because it's just too intense. Um, and I, if you're a diehard comic book fan, I, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Um, I have trouble recommending it to people I know who read comics because that's not a reflection of a recommendation I would make. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But I, I did enjoy the, um, there's, you can see where they pull a lot of the Marvel Cinematic Universe from the storyline, and you can see it's just littered throughout the run how they connected the pieces. And I did enjoy that. I'm on mute for a minute. Yeah, the whole Chitari, you know, it is a thing that's, that comes straight from the Ultimates. The, the scene of you know Iron Man carrying the Hulk in the sky and and, and you know fi- find me a building to drop him on. You know that kind of um, you know they're they're. they're it's almost written and drawn to become a movie. You know, it's so powerful that way. But I agree with you, Tim. There's there's something to, you know, having Steve Rogers, you know, not kick a guy across the face when he's, you know, when he's down or, you know, just having, you know, a little bit of, um, you know, the Captain America that you're used to or, um, you know, it, it there's... There's things that make you uncomfortable, but I, but I, at the same time, I agree with Dustin in that this, you know, it's flawed heroes in a flawed world, and and you know, if you have, if you're, if you're always looking at perfect heroes, you know, what's the redemptive story arc? And I am, I'm not at all uh, compare, you know, putting ultimates on on a on a parallel with the Bible, but. The Bible is full of flawed characters in a fallen world who cut, who rise to certain occasions, you know, to to come through, and and you've got something like that here where you've got people who are not good people in in the way that they're written in cases, coming through when they're needed, you know. And I think if you look at that, like the chance for anybody at any time to rise to an occasion, is a pretty cool thing to take away from it. Yeah. See, I, um, I I recommend I, it. I think it's one of the best Avenger stories you could ever read. My only critique of the Ultimates is that they timestamp the book, you know? So making the president look like George W. Bush, mm-hmm. putting actual dates in the comic, uh, and then, you know, adding, like, Freddie Prince Jr., that kind of stuff. Like, you know, at the time, Freddie Prince Jr. was a 
well-known actor. I don't know if he, is he even acting anymore. So it's one of those like I hate time stamping something where uh, you know later generations when they read it, those are going to be the things that are thrown in, you know, throw people off. In Freddie Prince Jr.'s defense, he was Freddie in Scooby Doo. Now he um he's also a uh, he's also he's also done voice acting for Star Wars. In fact, he um just as recent um kind of stood up for some of uh, especially the actress who um, the Asian actress who really caught a lot of flack for the movie. He stood up for her and basically told Star Wars fans <laughs> to get over it. It's fantasy, um, which was kind of neat. I like that. Um, but um. See, I like it. Um, I think I liked it much better as a younger man, um, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, this was prior, like, this was prior to me. Uh, uh, we won't get into that. But anyway, uh, mm. it, I just liked it as a, I liked it as a younger man. It's still a good yeah. story. I would recommend it to people just as kind of because at the time it was one of those history changing stories. Um, it's one of those books that did kind of change the face of comics. Um, was it my favorite Avengers story? No, but I can see how it would be others. I mean, especially since, um, you know, you, you're a child at that time, you know, not as a joke, but it's, that's just how it is. Like yeah. for me, my favorite Avengers story would probably be the Kree Scroll War, um, and stories along that time because to me that was like that to that to me that's the Avengers story that I think they all should look up to. And for what it was, Ultimates was in the vein of that. It was this meant to be more realistic, epic storyline, and that's exactly what it is. It's just. Um, it does. It takes the uh, it takes the negativity of the characters. You get them in shocking, quick succession because there's not enough time to give you the build up and backstory, and then you have to build them for there. So I think um, I think there's a lot of shock value to it. But the heroic moments are incredibly heroic. The resolutions are really cool resolutions, and um, and also realistically, it gives you tragedy. Like Hawkeye does not get a good storyline and Miller's are ultimates. He gets the raw deal, but I also think it paved the way for Hawkeye to become a more popular character. I mean, he's always had a little bit of fringe popularity, but I remember that was really the first storyline where I was like, wow, that dude's written right. He's really yeah, cool but and devastating. Yeah. He was more like the Hawkeye of Endgame though you know he really kind of went off the rails and if he kept on reading in ultimate he, he went even further after you know yeah. after his whole family was was uh killed so you know dustin I, I i tend to agree with you about some of the the things that you said about these broken heroes in a broken world and things but the extreme thing that they went to of you know whether it was the sex craze cannibalistic uh, Hulk, or whether it was the uh, adul adulterous Cap, who we look at as this clean-living guy from the 40s, or whether it I mean, all the storylines, the spousal abuse, the, you know, all the different things that we saw in here, um, I, I have to agree. I, I think it was a little over 
uh, over the edge for me personally. Yeah, it's almost like Genesis, you know, where Abraham uh, gives his wife away to Pharaoh, or like, you know, when Jacob's kids, uh, you know, after their sister's rape, they circumcise the opposing party and then murder them in the middle of the night. Man, oh. The difference in those storylines you're talking about is the Bible didn't have to go into the graphic detail and gore that these comic books do frame well, after frame. That's, but that's the difference. And this is like a different conversation at this point because we're talking about word because we're talking about word because we're talking about word versus image. And when that's like the that's like a whole different podcast we'll have to do is, you know, at what point when we're talking about, and maybe we've talked about this before is when we talk about this kind of what it is, it's real life. What's the power between reading stories that have these events, but it's just the words to actually seeing the images come alive, you know? So I think that's, that's, we're adding into that discussion, you know, like those events that I mentioned from the biblical story, Obviously, the Bible didn't come with pictures, you know, so when we see this play, those kind of, that kind of violence, that kind of evil sin uh, drawn out, I think it adds an element um, that maybe skews some of it. So, and, you know, to be honest, uh, I don't know if I have the answer, you know. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think if we're going to, we don't need to get too much in the theology portion of it, but if we're going to try to associate or compare to biblical stories, to me, the key component and difference there is factual things that happen. The Bible is an accurate, factual account of events that actually happened. And we're talking about a comic book where your imagination and your wildest dreams come true at the touch of a pen, and that's what they put in writing. So if you're going to, it, it, there is no comparison, in my opinion. It, it, you could try to compare it, but I just, I don't think it's there because we fiction are Fiction and fantasy is based off real life, though, right? That's what makes fiction and fantasy We're talking, we're talking about comics that are glorifying the, the, the sinfulness and nature of man when the Bible constantly works to yeah. turn us away from that. And I don't know if Miller would be saying he was glorifying evil, though. Right. I, you know, that's I think that's, a, that's an interpretive threat. Then he's using evil that. and shock factor to to just sell comics then. I don't know, mate. I feel like if you I write mean, Cormac McCarthy, then you kind of get the understanding of realism. You know, that's just part of literature. The history of literature played out in, in adapting realism to fantasy and fiction stories, you have those dark moments. So, <laughs> and, and steering away from the Bible, look two separate categories. Right, McCarthy is a good um, is a is a good uh, kind of analogy or parallel, Dustin. In that, I love Cormac McCarthy as an author. As an author, I never want to be in one of his stories. You know that I don't. Want, I would not want to be, you know, a character in one of his books because it's like, oh. And the same thing with the Ultimates. You know, there is nothing that once there's no 
part of me that wants to be in this story somewhere because it's brutal. You know, it's not, you know, you don't, um, to me, it's not a, a glorification. It's a, you know, it's kind of this swath of, okay, here's, you know, here's this, this reality and, and we cringe at it and we should cringe at it. You know, it, it shouldn't be like, Oh yeah, that's so great. You know, um, which is, which is part of the, there's an aspect of comic books where, you know, at some point, you know, Oh, it'd be, you know, yeah, it'd be cool to be Captain America. It'd be cool to be Daredevil. It'd be cool to, you know, be this, you know, great hero that has these moral standards and, you know, and gets the girl or whatever, but lives by a code. And Millar kind of strips that code away to, to a degree. I mean, Captain America does still stand on his, you know, World War II values of, you know, don't treat women this way. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to beat the Nazis up and, you know, and I'm in, and these things, but um, yeah, but there's, there's, there's nothing that make, I, I get, like I can like Cormac McCarthy and finish a book and go, oh, whew. that's how I kind of felt with the Ultimates, you know, but I would, I would also agree with what Tim said at the beginning, you know, the caveat of recommending is you got to go in with your eyes open because it's not like a lot of comic books that you pick up. You've got to go in knowing it's going to be violent and, and, you know, uncomfortable and, you know, but people still watch R-rated movies. Yeah. And I think that would be, that's one of the, if you read realism right. books, that is one of the effects of realism. You should walk away. Like I read The Road. The Road's one of the, I think, greatest modern books of this century. But you, like, I don't want to live in The Road. But that's the whole point of that realism. It's supposed right. to bring out and showcase how dark is the heart of man. When it when kind of this filter is stripped away, yeah, this is a difficult discussion for me because I, I do see both sides. But by the same token, when we're talking about things that are entertaining, things that we do for enjoyment, mm -hmm. uh, comics fits into that for me. It is a fantasy. It is an escape. Mm -hmm. um, it has great storylines and it's things that take me somewhere. But the same way it, with anime, uh, you know, the anime in Japan, the Japanese animation is made primarily for adults and there are some that is very very dark very very adult and there's some that isn't so much and i can pick or choose those things that i read and and which ones i i gravitate towards because of my you know the things that i'm sensitive to and i think that that's what comes into play with this with the ultimates for me is that yeah i saw really good storylines i saw amazing artwork um i saw things that i don't know were necessary necessarily made it a better storyline because of these flawed characters of these of these heroes i'm not sure that that the extremes were the were necessary to tell this story um although i get it i get it and it's not going to be for everybody um it, it was pretty edgy for me i kept going i didn't stop you know, I, I, I very easily could have put it down, but I didn't. I, I, I wanted more. I wanted to see where this went, even though I'm kind of like, man, do they really need to do this? You know, it, it, it reminded me of gratuitous sex or, or um, you know, violence in films where I'm like, did they really need that? Did that really add to the storyline? Or was that just something that they threw in there because of the shock value, you know? And so I was, I was somewhere in the middle on that. Um, but I enjoyed it just the same, like like what we're talking about. There were some really, really good aspects to this. The thing, but that's, that's guess, my takeaway. I, I guess I guess what I'm saying is, we. 
I was not prepared for this to be. This is like R-rated and a little bit beyond. And I was not prepared for that. And I generally, I kind of feel like what you put into your mind is what comes out of your mouth. And I, I found that there are a lot of aspects. Of this. I, I live in a world of evil. I'm a police officer. I deal with this stuff all the time. I had to interview children as to who's touching them. You know, so I live in a reality that is, and I'm not different than, or more special than anybody else because everybody has their own experiences. But I prefer to put things, to surround myself as much as I can with things that help me. Not, not things that expose how bad this world is when I just come from a murder scene or I just come from a rape scene. And this book takes all those aspects and puts them in one run. And then it gives you another book and it puts them all again in another run. It's just a different character. And you take these characters that like Captain America and you turn him into something that he's never been. Um, there's a little bit of old of who he was, a little bit of who he's going to be, and then somewhere in the middle. And I, I feel like the storyline was awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not saying this storyline was bad because it was great. But there are times where they threw things in there where you're like, whoa, I'm with Jeff. Like, was that, that wasn't necessary to tell the story you're telling. But I, it's, it's their license. They were given to go ahead to write it. And those guys are phenomenal with the stories that they write. The artists are phenomenal with what they draw and what they show. And they absolutely had kind of like an open market and free range to do what they wanted. And that's where they wanted the story to go. That's, it, if people are going to go into this thinking, great, comics, Captain America, Thor, no. No, play it safe. If you're someone who's like me and you prefer more PG-13, you might want to stay away from this and maybe read the Wikipedia synopsis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I'll definitely give you that. It is definitely not a book that, if you like the traditional characters um, and you swear by them, and and, and it's funny because, again, and I'll, I'll keep coming back to this conversation, but I think a lot of this also comes in that... Um, that age gap of the person reading the stories because, um, you know, Miller comes along that same time that, uh, I mean, these stories were coming out along the same time that Grant Morrison was writing X-Men. And Dustin and I could probably do just the, we could probably do an episode just between me and him about our differences of opinion of Grant Morrison's run on the X-Men. Um, and it's just because it's what we, we tend to like, um, you know, that that time period a lot of the writers were part of that british explosion and it was a very deconstructive deconstructivist time where they were taking the characters that were put up on a pedestal and basically showing you their weaknesses um it started at least in the dc universe with swamp thing and alan moore you know um watchman's a big deconstructivist book um, you know, there, there's a lot of that and it was born out of that. And all of these writers kind of came in on the heels of Alan Moore's stuff and started following suit. And then especially Miller and Morrison right around this time period, they were two of the biggest writers. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, with characters like Superman, they would write these, um, well, depending on which one it was like Morrison's all-star was a very heartwarming, great silver agey type of Superman. Millar wrote red sun, which was a very deconstructivist version. Um, 
Well, that's what Gary Millar, I mean, you, you, you take Millar, he's got the ultimates. He's got Old Man Logan, which is take Wolverine, make him an old man in this, you know, whole different scenario. You've got Red Sun, you know, take Superman and, and plan him with the Russians and see what happens. You've got Civil War, you know, what happened where you, you put, you know, real world scenario kind of, you know, Captain America pitted against Iron Man. I mean, so he's always rotating things just a little bit. You know, what if, what if you play it out a little differently? Um, and what a cool thing in, in terms of stories to think about, you know, to get that permission to go, oh man, you know, Logan got old and his healing factor is not working or, you know, it, there, there's, there's just a lot of great stories that have been built. I mean, if you want to take Malar playing that game, the ultimates in civil war, probably, Oh, the, probably the MCU owes more to those two stories than almost anything else. You know, that's what it's building itself around. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, but yeah, it, it's intense, you know, and, and, and putting every warning on the, on the ultimates that you want to put on it before you jump into it, you know, you know, I'm, I'm still going to go back and read, um, you know, McCarthy and, and if there's another cut, well, I read most Malark too, but. I think when it comes to art and I got to word this so carefully. Um, I think when it comes to art, it is a lot of preference because, um, you know, I, I know, uh, and that's how art is kind of made. I mean, that's the whole concept of art. It is your perception of what you were looking at or reading. Um, Cause you know, there was a time and there are still people to this day that consider Shakespeare to be trash because of some of the concepts that he involves. And if you read it back in the time period, um, back in most time, even today in some settings, you're like, Oh, I don't know if I want to say that in front of everybody. So, and it's like, you know, those same concepts, a lot of writers, when they're planning out their stuff, they're kind of moving in that direction. You know, how can I push the limit? How can I do this? What can I do differently? I mean, Millar couldn't come along and just write the same stories. He, he just couldn't. He couldn't, you know, take what Stan Lee did. So he did his twist. And his twist is a very deconstructivist and cynical look at certain things. Like there's not, because I mean, even, even Civil War, like when you read it, it's kind of the same concept. It doesn't exactly end on a happy note. He doesn't, he doesn't write a lot of stories that are like, at the end of it, you're like, man, I feel warm and fuzzy now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> at, at the end of them a lot, you're like, I, I don't know how I feel. I think I'm going to go hang out with somebody and maybe talk to a counselor. <laughs> you know, but that's, that's, that's the art of realism. And I think it has some, you know, I mean, if we think about it, that's a lot of real life, you know? Yeah. And I, you know, if you read Tolkien's little essay on fairy stories, and he talks about the reason for reading fantasy, one of the things is to come away thinking, all right, even if this didn't end up with the happy ending that I needed, now I know how to live in light of knowing that a happy ending is coming one day. You know, I mean, think about the book of Acts ends on this note of we have no idea right. what's going to happen. You know, like 
We have no idea if the church makes it through. The only reason we know that the church made it through the book of Acts is because we're still here today, you know? Right. So there's this sense of like, and this is like what I'm getting at, you know, like I said, like I, I did literature is my study. Like that's what I went to school for was literature. I'm not art. So like, I, I can't speak on art. That is not my forte. I don't know how to even critique it properly, you know? Um, so, I mean, like, I'll agree with Tim on that. Like when it comes to the art, that's a different story. But when it comes to like the realism in literature, I think we have to be like taking Tolkien's advice. We read this going, I don't want to be in this story, but I know how to be a true hero now based on what not to do. But on knowing that, you know what? Maybe I got some issues though. Maybe my heart is not as good as I want it to be, you know? Well, I wasn't going to say Shakespeare's wrong. Right, Bill? <laughs> exactly. But um, but I also think it's a, like a lot of these stories that we'll discuss, and I, I really like how this conversation went because it is a preference thing, especially when you're talking about what we're writing and what people choose to read. Um, like Tim said, from his job, you know, there's certain things that after seeing the crud that he sees, he doesn't want to read. And he doesn't probably doesn't want to read stuff that reminds him of that. Um, you know, I'm the same way with uh, the unicorns. I hate unicorns. So, no, I am. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way with like medical stuff, like, you know, books that focus on medical stuff and things like that. I'm just kind of like, I don't want to read about that. I got to do it all day. Um, so, and, you know, if you're one of the things I do like to read and very similar to Dustin, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but um, A, Dustin, you you were wrong about something. I personally think you're a piece of art. So don't ever say that you're not art. Um, but I, <laughs> but I um, in fact, I changed my tag out of respect for that to Dustin is art. <laughs> Um, but I, um, no, I, I like reading things that show human nature. Um, you know, my first degree that was in psychology, I'm interested in that type of stuff. And, um, part of that is seeing the dark nature of all, but yet at the same time, again, given that kind of a uh, thing with Tim, he's immersed in that <laughs> all day. So he, you know, he sees crap that I never have to see. Um, so but at the same time, I will gravitate to that. I do like the road. Um, I haven't read Blood Meridian, but it is on my list to it's read brilliant. this year. And I know it's a really good book, and but I know it's also another one of those very brutal McCarthy books. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and see, this is where I would say, I don't think I would openly recommend Blood Meridian right. for people who don't have not read the Wikipedia page. Right. Yeah. Um, so, but yet, you know, even in stuff like McCarthy's darkest books, like you said, you said, carry the fire. And um, it's funny, there's a Zippo lighter I want to get, even though I don't smoke. I like Zippos, but um, it, it's from uh, The Art of Manliness and it has carry the fire. Yes. Yeah, I've seen that. I want and, that. Yeah. And it's kind of a, it's a nifty concept. And um, for those of you that haven't read it, carry the fire, basically. Um, okay. So anyway, the road's a very dark post-apocalyptic book um and it's one of those books that i like to recommend to people that are survivalists that are like dude i'd be such a hero at the end of the world it's like yeah okay read that um but, uh, and it, it, but it's um you know 
there is a very moral lesson where in this dark world where people are reverting to savagery, a father who has to make very hard choices that may be considered savage in some settings <clears throat> is trying to keep his son alive. And he teaches his son that they're the last ones, some of the last ones carrying the fire. And what the fire is, is all that's kind of good in the world, this good knowledge of what's moral kind of for lack of better terms. I mean, we can get much deeper and it would take a whole other episode to break that book apart, but that's the general kind of, um, that's the general kind of messages that he's putting across. We carry the fire and it's more than just having a lighter. Um, a revelators issue or an episode. Yeah. Road. Just call it carry the fire. Um, <laughs> or dust in his art. I like that one too. Mm -hmm. But uh, the, uh, you know, it's the ultimate kind of have a little bit of that concept too, where they're set up to be the, not only the moral physical protection of that society that's what they're created for they're created to be this hero super heroic face of shield in that universe um but yet at the same time they're this flawed broken team that you can kind of say it's almost like their creation was for the wrong reasons because they were a public relations type of thing as well as being super soldiers and there was a lot of that during that time period and if you look at the time period it was written it was a really kind of dark time period right after 9-11, post 9-11 stories. Um, the world was shaken, and I'm sure there was a lot of propaganda that was complete and total crap being fed to everyone. Um, you know, it, and I, the only one I can really think of, it always sticks in my head, is the, um, the, the soldier that was a prisoner of war that the original story was. She gunned down the entire battalion that were rushing them and when she got rescued and got home, she was like, no, that's not what happened. I broke both my legs and passed out. And <laughs> come to find out, it was like some of her other folks. So it was, um, uh, it was a very interesting time that it was written in as well. Um, you know, and I, I've talked for a long time and I'm losing my train of thought. So <laughs> one, one of the things that, that, that jumps out at me is we're talking ultimates and it's a, it's a darker, grittier look at superheroes. And if you look at, you know, one of the high marks of, of, of literature in comic books, you talk about Watchmen, which is a, a grittier, darker, you know, not so uh, you know, amazing storytelling, but, you know, certainly a fallen world. You look at um, Sandman, which is you know, a beloved mm -hmm. story of death and um you know all kinds of you know it's not a happy shiny you know shiny happy people story um you look oh, at no. you know so frequently there are these you know against all odds or or you know pulling back the veil into into realism as dustin says or into um i think when when comic books become something more than heroes on pedestals, it, the game changes a little bit. And that's not a bad thing, you know, because the same way you've got, um, you know, you can pick any kind of, of novel or nonfiction that you can read, the more kinds of graphic novels and more kinds of story arcs and comic books 
you know, you've got publishers like Dark Horse, you've got publishers like, you know, Emmett who do things that Marvel and DC proper don't do because it's, you know, um, a little riskier or a little more dystopian or a little more um, apocalyptic. Right. Um, you know, so there's more Gary, possibilities. Gary's already said that uh, the Ultimates could maybe give us our introduction of Magneto at some point in time in the MCU. So I read one, two, and three. I think all four of you have read more of the Ultimates than me. So what part or parts of the Ultimate world do you want to see on film next? What what brings the, the best possibilities to Marvel? I, you know, I think the X-Men run. Say that again. What's that? What? What? Huh? It was, it was, I just made a sarcastic comment. I said Chris Claremont's X-Men, but um, that's not ultimate. Um, I See, the thing with the MCU, what I think they're doing smart is they're taking the realistic inspiration from the ultimate universe because also um i don't know why i'm so close to my camera they're taking the realistic um inspiration but they're taking they're taking a lot of the introduction stuff from the ultimate universe because that's how those characters were introduced for the first time again to a whole new generation so they're taking inspiration from that but they're grossly changing the stories and not grossly in a bad way. Um, they're making the introductions very ultimate-like, but making the story very much like so everyone can enjoy them. Because let's face it, if they had made the ultimates word for word, my kids probably wouldn't have been watching it with me. Um, my kids would have been watching it. Yeah. So um, the story I'm talking about, and I'll go ahead and – do you guys mind if I spoil it? Because I don't know if you've read it. Go for it. It's Boy. called – it's, what's that? Spoil it. All right, this is a spoiler alert. It's called Ultimatum. Um, it, it's after, I can't, I don't, maybe Millar wrote it? I think he did, which would make sense because it's dark. But um, basically, you know, Magneto and the X-Men have already been established, but if you've never read them before, you don't have to read them prior to this story. Um, and Magneto is fed up and he goes ahead and says, you know what, I'm tired. I'm just going to take the earth and move it off its uh, axis with my magnetic powers. And he causes this mass destruction and this tidal wave hits New York, man, just like just in that action, half the characters die from the ultimate universe, like daredevil, nightcrawler, um, just like all these characters just automatically wiped off the board. Um, in the aftermath they're going through, you know, Hank Pym's trying to reconcile with his wife and he finds the blob from the X-Men eating her. So he, she's dead. Um, and so he kills the blob. It's just this dark story. And then by the end of the story, Wolverine's dead. Cyclops is dead. Most of the X-Men are dead. A good chunk of the Avengers are dead. A lot of Spider-Man supporting cast is dead. It's just like, they just wipe out half of the ultimate universe um i don't see the mcu wiping out half their characters that way but i did that what's that 
We already did that. Yeah, yeah. we did that temporarily. <laughs> but I can see that as a way of introducing Magneto. Um, you know, he causes this mass destruction, and now we have to deal with it. Yeah, by the way, it was Jeff Loeb and um, David Finch. Okay. You know, I think the most underrated uh, stories from the Ultimate Universe are the Ultimate Fantastic Four. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, those stories, I feel like they just did such a good job. Now, I miss the origin story of the original Fantastic Four. I think that's perfect. They shouldn't have done this other, uh, you know, dimension jumping kind of thing. But the stories that come out of there, uh, such as, you know, that's where we get Marvel zombies from. Right. It, from that, you know, that story line. So, yeah, I kind of like, I, I like the ultimate right. uh, Fantastic Four. I, oh, I feel I feel like there's still a lot of stuff that we could really kind of hash through on this all these topics. I think in the interest of keeping this even remotely like a podcast without breaking it into multiple parts, we may want to come to some conclusion, maybe have a part two or maybe take some of this kind of offline and post that later. But I'm thinking that uh, we, we've, we've put a lot of time, we've lost a, a lot of people watching us as well. So... Um, I hate to be the party pooper, but I'm thinking we might want to come to kind of a, a close, a conclusion for this segment, if everybody's in agreement with me. You know, Gary can keep spoiling stories another time. You know, I, <laughs> I like that. I, I do. Asked, I asked first. You, you did. did. You did. You did. That'd be a great podcast just doing that. Yeah. If, they yeah. haven't read, if they haven't read anything of this universe by now, yeah. you can't help them. Right. No, I, I think we should do an episode on just spoiler alerts and just give away everything. And, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm quitting and going off on my own. That's going to be my whole podcast. <laughs> spoiler alert. It's going to be a very, very long episode. <laughs> One of the things we talked about. Um, so we've done uh, Daredevil Born Again kind of book club. We've done now, uh, we talked Ultimates. And we were talking about um, potentially doing Tom King's vision as a uh, another book club, though that does put us three Marvels in a row. If and and you know, I've never read Mister Miracle, but I've wanted to. I think mm -hmm. you got mine, don't you? I have. I can discuss yeah, it. Thank you for calling me out. Mike. <laughs> no, I just, I just said Dustin's like the DC guy, and that's like the one DC uh, entity I have read. Like, I don't read DC, so that's like, yes, I have, I get that reference. I love to do Mister Miracle. You know, that'd be yeah. Fun. Yeah, I'm in for Mr. Miracle as well. It's um, it's another Tom King book, and we might as well start calling ourselves the Tom King Podcast. Um, he tells great stories. He does. I mean, they're incredible, and that's why. But, yeah, I'm all for Mr. Miracle. I would do it. All right. And we'll tell Dio to look at the pictures. <laughs> uh, and yeah, shout Zach, out to Dio and Zach. Zach. Done, when Zach's done training being my Robin, he'll be in the next episode. Just tell Zach that Batman's in it and he'll show up. <laughs> it is DC. Zach will show up. Yeah. So, guys, final final words from everybody here um, for our audience about uh, Ultimates, Ultimate Universe. Um, 
initial thoughts. Final, read final, the Ultimate final Universe. Read Ultimate Spider-Man. Just just read Ultimate Spider-Man. That's that's well worth it. Yeah, Tim, I think you'd be much happier with Ultimate Spider-Man than. Yeah. But I don't, I don't want to take away from the work that the people who made the Ultimates put into it. Mm-hmm. It's it just wasn't necessarily my cup of tea. I thought that storyline was great. I thought that the art was awesome. It's just not my cup of tea with the extravagance they went to for some of the details they went to. Yep. I'm the kind of person that loves to, if I'm reading a story and I find out that it's that's been built off of these other stories, I love to go back to those other stories and find out, you know, how it got built. And if you were a fan of the MCU and you have, you know, you go into it with your eyes open that this is a, you know, gritty, intense, you know, kind of alternate of the of what a Marvel comic book is, you will find a lot of really cool things to take from this. Um, and and I think that in a, at a time where society realizes that, you know what, man, the, the athletes we put on pedestals maybe don't deserve to be on pedestals. The, the heroes that we put on pedestals, um, you know, we might be careful about. Um, you know, the ultimate fits into that way of looking at things and saying hmm you know what's a hero and 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 that's not a bad way of going into a number of movies or or stories well it's kind of like the quote from dark knight mike you brought up a really good point and i'll go ahead and i'll make zach happy by getting at least one batman reference into this but um you know what did what does uh dent say in the dark knight he's like well heroes are either lucky to lucky enough to die young or live long enough to become the villain because hmm. think about it most of the people that we've i, I know most a lot of the people most of them that's a really that would be a rude generalization but a lot of the people <laughs> that i grew up with as heroes nowadays i'm like okay so secretly they were giant sex monsters you know <laughs> so it's like you know you do when the when sometimes the truth comes out they're not as heroic as they appear so jeff asked for a final word i have way too many words for final words so you all know that guys shut me up so i'll just let i'll just leave you with a a riddle a conundrum if you will what's the difference (laughs) (laughs) yeah my 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 kind of final word uh, for this is that you know going in if you know that it's gritty if you know that you know maybe it's like the dc black label if it's something that's a little bit more adult if you go in recognizing that the the, the stories are exceptional they really are as flawed as as these characters are they're they're they're, they're really well done the artwork is wonderful um so, uh, you know, I, I don't give it an, an open, yeah, go out there and read this. I think go in there with your eyes open and just realize that there's some really good storytelling that's going on there. And so, um, you know, I am going to probably go back and go to Ultimatum next and the four different uh, things that they have, the Ultimatum for uh, the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, uh, the original one. There, there's another one also that I'm forgetting. But Just call um, me. I'll tell you the story. I appreciate that. Just spoiler alert. <laughs> um, but that's that's kind of my last thing I would probably leave with. Awesome. Anybody else? 
Guys, if you want to stay on here, I'm going to go ahead and stop the live portion of this to Facebook. Thank you, everybody who hung with us, who uh, wrote this out. I hope you go back, you watch this, you share it with your friends, and uh, that you remember to like it, post some of your comments in there as well. And I uh, really enjoyed doing this with you. Thank you so much. And see. Microphone.